2: the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 on a Thursday afternoon, June 16th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. The housing market feeling the impact of outside factors. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, the latest numbers on jobless claims are out. As we continue to digest yesterday's interest rate hike by the uh, Fed, we're joined by Brian Westbury, Chief Economist, First Trust Advisors in Wheaton. Brian, thanks for joining us today. there's a lot of talk today and yesterday and even uh, with some of the uh, uh, data points that came out earlier in the week and last week that the uh, possibility of a recession considerably higher today than it was a month ago or even a year ago at the same time though the job market is fairly robust so if uh, there's a recession on the horizon hiring managers uh, haven't heard the news yet
3: <laughs> right, right rob it's it's it is good to be with you there are there are three things in you know big things i think going on this year number one obviously the Fed, federal reserve is raising interest rates which uh is a headwind for the economy the the second thing is we, we uh, the deficit is going to be smaller this year we are not handing out checks anymore uh and so both of those are headwinds but the the hiring side is because we are still opening up. You know. So we just made a rule that you don't have to get tested to fly back into the United States. That's going, in my opinion, have more people flying. The service side of the economy is the one that, 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 that fell behind, right? Because we, we, we gave out a lot of money, unemployment benefits, PPP loans. That cut uh, goods spending, retail sales on, on goods up, but the service side has lagged. And so this year, movie theaters, uh, Broadway, airlines, cruise ships, all of that is going to get stronger. And and as a result, I, I still believe we're going to eke out uh some uh some some growth this year. We're not in a recession.
2: Yet. Isn't the, the, the overall strategy of the interest rate hike yesterday and the game plan going forward is basically just taking some steam out of the economy and not pushing it into a recession. I mean, if you want to come up with an image, think of the economy as an old time steam locomotive that is meant for a certain amount of steam pressure. And when you have a three percent economy or a two or three percent growth, everything's fine. But if you have six point nine percent growth, you know, smoke starts shooting out of the pipes and and you have sparks, right. and the locomotive is going out of control.
3: Then you get inflation, and all of that stuff. And so, yeah, that's a that, that's a good analogy. Uh, this is my day for the analogy club. The, uh, the <laughs> it seems the the it, it, what's interesting today is that the Federal Reserve, and and I, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds here, but they have separated, decoupled interest rates from the money supply so the money supply is still growing that's why we have inflation but here they are raising interest rates and you're exactly right trying to lower the pressure in the engine uh and and the perfect uh, fix is called a soft landing and um so never in history do i have i seen the federal reserve do a perfect soft landing uh it it uh, they tend to either they tend to go too far. So that's what the market is worried about today. That they're going to end up pushing interest rates uh, up so high that they will actually cause a recession.
2: Brian Westbury, chief economist, First Trust Advisors in Wheaton. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up, an update on the housing market, which is showing signs of slowing. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The Commerce Department is reporting a nearly 15% drop in housing starts for May. Let's update the market for homes with the help of Steve Kirch, real estate editor for MarketWatch.com based in Chicago. Steve, thanks for joining us today. And when it comes to the uh, housing market, isn't this what everybody wanted? It was overheated. It was great for homeowners because they saw the value of their home skyrocket, but as as far as the housing market was concerned, buyers and sellers—they uh, th- were looking for some cooling in this in the housing space.
1: Uh, yeah. Good afternoon, Rob. You—you got it uh, on the head. This is just another piece uh, that, of evidence that we've seen that the housing market continues to cool, uh, and the pace had been red hot. I think everybody knew it wasn't sustainable. Uh, the pandemic kind of threw a lot of the market for a loop and upended a lot of the traditional uh, things that have been happening to homes. But really this has been a decade plus long uh, rise in prices and rise in sales. And we knew it had to end sometime. The uh, Fed is helping us out as interest rates rise. That's taking some steam uh, out of home buyers because mortgage rates are rising as well. And uh, that's also taking some steam out of the home builders who are losing confidence. So they're not quite as willing to go out on a limb and, and build as they once were.
2: But isn't this also uh, kind of uh, another hurdle in the face of first time home buyers where maybe they might have been unable to uh, keep up in a very competitive housing market a year ago, and then now they're going to try again, but uh, they've been priced out due to higher mortgage rates?
1: Right, I mean the mortgage rates uh, jumped by their most this week since 1987. They're up half a percentage point, so uh, it's just getting more expensive, and it was it was hard on first-time buyers especially. And of course, without uh, starting new homes, you know the inventory crunch continues, and that could you know we you expect prices to start to fall when sales drop but uh with less and less inventory pricing uh, may still be very difficult as well so it's it's absolutely true the first time home buyers trying to get in affordable housing. that That's really the hardest end of the market.
2: And then very quickly, I mean, the adjustable rate mortgage was rolled out 42 years ago for uh, 18 or 19 percent interest rates. But with rates now uh, in the fives, uh, is an arm a good idea on the assumption that eventually it'll fall back into the threes and twos?
1: Well, uh, arms are always a way to help you uh, lower your mortgage payment. You have to be very careful about the caps, how far they can rise. Uh, I would say it's probably not the best option while the Fed is continuing to raise interest rates, and we just don't know how high they're going to go.
2: So even uh, with, interest rate, with, with mortgage lending rates uh, in the fives, uh, probably a good idea to jump on that rate right now, even if it's a lot higher than two years ago, because you don't know what tomorrow brings. That's
1: true. And again, 5% historically uh, is still a good rate on a mortgage. It's just we've been spoiled with these near 0% interest rates for so long. We've forgotten how good 5% can look.
2: Right. My parents are listening and uh, they're laughing, (laughs) thinking about the uh, 13% uh, rate they had to pay on the house they bought in 1984. So you're right. Historically, things are pretty good.
1: Yeah, that's correct. Um, so keep things in perspective. But it, it, again, I don't want to minimize the difficulty that that folks are having. The costs of housing are going up, and it, it that's going to continue to be a problem for the foreseeable future.
2: Steve Kirch, real estate editor with MarketWatch based in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, a need-to-know stat about bear markets. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Even when investors buy stocks at the very start of a bear market. They generally do well within 12 months. Let's get perspective from Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for the Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com, based in Washington. Mark, thanks for joining us today. It sounds like you know the, the phrase, buy the dip, has been... Uh, entered cliché territory uh, used by a lot of uh, TV financial pundits and then uh, a lot of uh, Bitcoin types on social media. But uh, is this a case where buying the dip is more than just a cliché?
4: Well, it's it's a great question, and you have to separate out the psychological aspect of it from the statistical part of it. It turns out that if you look at it from a psychological point of view, what happens is that investors at the initial stages of a bear market are sort of in denial that the market is going down. And so they do say buy the dip. And by the time they finally throw in the towel is probably close to the bottom. So it is a cliche at the beginning of a bear market for that psychological reason that we go into denial and then finally give up. And then at the moment you give uh, give up, the market tends to turn around. From a statistical point of view, which is what you were referring to in the intro, it turns out that actually buying the dip is not a bad idea for the simple reason that the stock market, historically at least, has always gone up over the longer term. So, in the sense, you can go back 150 years of U.S. stock market history, and if you bought at any point, including some of the worst times, like 29 right before the crash, if you held on long enough, the market, of course, will bail you out.
2: And uh, this is a remarkable statistic. Those who buy stocks the day the S&P 500 enters a bear market have made an average of 22.7% in 12 months. So historically, you could potentially uh, make back everything the market lost over the course of 2022.
4: Well, that's right. I want to make sure I I, I, uh, give the correct qualifications for that statistic. It's not necessarily when the bear market began. It's when the bear market is officially noted, which is, of course, the point at which the market has dropped 20 percent. So even though the bear market began on January 3rd, which is when it hits all time high, it wasn't until Monday of this week that it actually closed 20 percent below that that price from uh, January 3rd. That's the point at which a bear market was officially declared. And what I wanted to focus on is if you were to put money in the market the day that the bear market was officially declared, so in this case, June 13th, which would have been Monday, you would have been ahead of on average by around 22 23% in 12 months' time. It's not a guarantee. It didn't happen in every single bear market, but on average... You, uh, if you were to buy in the moment a bear market gets declared, not when the bear market began, but when the bear market gets declared, you'd end up uh, doing well.
2: So if you look at the uh, indices today, you see a lot of red, and uh, all of a sudden the anxiety begins rising. Uh, in the age-old battle between uh, psychology and statistics, uh, statistics and history tell you that things will eventually be okay. Okay.
4: You're absolutely right, and I think it's uh, the key is to to focus on that distinction that you just mentioned between psychology and statistics. Right now, psychology is trumping statistics, like it almost always does. Who wants to buy now? It looks like the market is a terrible place, but you have to remember it is it almost by definition. The, a bear market low, the bottom of a bear market will be when all the news is bad, just the same way that a bull market hits its high when all the news is good. So if you wait until the news is all good, you will, of course, miss out on a very great buying opportunity.
2: Thanks for joining us. Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for The Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com, based in Washington, D.C. Still ahead in Technology Thursday, you may be surprised at how much you're being tracked through apps that you use. Temp check.
5: This
6: is Chicago's all news station, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The
2: WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The House panel investigating the assault on the U.S. Capitol is back in session this afternoon. A special report from CBS News is next. In technology, Thursday, an expert look at the tracking of customers through the use of apps. And the Scottish Festival and Highland Games take place in Itasca tomorrow and Saturday after a two-year COVID break. WBBM. The markets are lower. The Dow is down 615 points. The NASDAQ is down 401 and the S&P 500 is down 107. AccuWeather says for today, mostly sunny and still hot, but breezy and much less humid, and a high today of 92. Right now we have 87 degrees right now in Chicago under sunny skies at 1231.
6: CBS News special report. The January 6th House panel is diving back into public hearings today and focusing on former President Trump's last-ditch effort to overturn 2020 election results. Committee Chair Congressman Benny
0: Thompson. The former president wanted Pence to reject the votes and either declare Trump the winner or send the votes back to the states to be counted again.
6: More testimonies expected from the former VP's counsel and a
0: retired federal judge. Today, the select committee is going to reveal the details of that pressure campaign.
6: Here's CBS's Skylar Henry. Committee
3: members say President Trump listened to attorney Johnny Smith, who insisted Pence had the power to block
0: the certification. As a federal judge has indicated, this likely violated two federal criminal statutes. President Trump had no factual basis for what he was doing, and he had been told it was illegal.
6: CBS News special report. I'm Monica Ricks.
2: It's 1232. As the noon business hour continues, markets are in the red. We're joined by Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager at uh, Smart Portfolios in San Diego, California. Jim, thanks for joining us today. Let's pick up that conversation from 1020 this morning about the uh, market sell-off. What are some of the specific sectors that are uh, driving this sell-off today? It seems like uh, tech, once again, is a uh, leading everybody down.
0: Uh, That's a good point, Rob. As I noted in this past Monday's Weekly Technical Review, when selling becomes as intense as we've seen over the last handful of days, the correlation between various sectors starts to move up toward one. So you get to that stage in a market decline where they're selling basically everything. And uh, they're doing it because the outlook for the economy and corporate earnings, in their view, is deteriorated.
2: And is this simply you know a case of everybody placing bets on a recession right now? Um, are there any optimists uh, in the market
0: right now? <laughs> uh, I don't think there's many, uh, and I think you know there were over the last you know few weeks. Uh, people were looking for peak inflation, peak inflation, and as I pointed out for a long time, there's a huge difference between inflation peaking at eight and a half percent versus three and a half percent, and the CPI I think pretty dashed any hopes. That the Fed could ease up uh, over the next couple of months, and you know Chair Powell's test or not testimony, but his comments yesterday reaffirmed that.
2: It's very interesting. Uh, There was a very interesting analysis this morning in the Wall Street Journal just about some of the issues uh, facing the uh, oil and gas industry right now, and that's one of the big drivers of inflation affecting pretty much everything. And that is um, among the many reasons why investors may be reluctant to uh, get back into the oil and gas sector or or feel very confident about the long-term prospects of uh, taking advantage of these uh, record profits in the oil and gas sector is that if there is an economic slowdown, uh, demand could crash and crash pretty hard and bring down inflation with it.
0: Yes. And, you know, again, it's going to take time for that to evolve, Rob, A, because wage growth has been pretty healthy, Uh, job growth has been healthy, consumers have a lot of savings. And so the economy does have, if you will, some cushions for it. But the Fed's goal is to reduce demand, and they're going to get their wish in the next few months. And the amazing thing to me is that corporate earnings have not been cut by Wall Street. That is going to happen over the next month leading up to the second quarter earnings results you know, starting in mid-July. So that is the other shoe. I said the first leg was because rates went up. The second shoe of the decline in the market was going to happen as earnings were revised lower and P.E. ratios contracted further. And I think we're finally starting to see that happen in the last week.
2: As the shift moves over from goods to services, where are some of the places that uh, if, we, if there is an economic downturn, where, what are some of the, the areas we'll see at first?
0: Well, um, that is a good question. We'll see it in housing. Obviously, we've seen starts in existing home sales uh, decline. Mortgage rates are up hugely. Uh, Affordability has dropped by about 40%. So that is the one taking it on the chin at this point in time. And it will spread to, as we saw Target and Walmart, hey, we've got the wrong kind of inventory, so they're going to slash prices. Again, the good news there is that puts downward pressure on inflation. But the main thing, Robert, this is all going to take – a number of months. It's not going to happen overnight, and in the meantime, the Fed is going to continue to talk pretty hawkish. And then, when
2: it comes to uh, uh, on the uh, on the services side of things, I mean, this is where the consumers' buying power is is going to have some staying power, and that yeah. is people can can talk about and complain about the high price of gas. I'm certainly I'm certainly yeah. in that boat, but it's not causing people to change their behavior in meaningful. Ways, I mean, uh, definitely. I mean, in Chicago, if uh, the the number of people who are taking the train to work certainly higher now than it has been at any other time post pandemic. I mean, that's one uh, way in which people are adjusting their behavior. But they're not canceling vacations or really cutting back in in meaningful ways. They have the money; they're going to spend it, even if they don't want to do so.
0: And that's why the economy, in my view, still has a chance of not going into a recession. I, I think we're going to see enough slowing. Rob, that the Fed might have enough wiggle room to downshift as we get towards September. But they're going to need to see the data uh, that things are, in fact, slowing, inflation is coming off the boil. Uh, But, again, the positive, as you just noted, is consumers have the money and they're spending, and that's going to carry on for a period of time.
2: Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager with Smart Portfolios in San Diego. The website, MacroTides.com. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up next in Technology Thursday, you may be surprised how an app helps a company track your movements and activities. The best daily deal in Chicago. The WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Technology Thursday. An investigation in Canada has uncovered disturbing details about the tracking of customers through apps. Let's discuss how that relates to what's happening here in the U.S. with Jerry Irvine, CIO of Prescient Solutions and member of the U.S. Secret Service Electronic Crimes Task Force based in Chicago. Jerry, thanks for joining us today. This investigation involves the coffee and donut chain Tim Hortons. Uh, You might be familiar with it, uh, either from its presence in Canada or in the northern United States. And uh, what is their app doing to customers that uh, raise the hackles of uh, Canadian regulators?
6: Yeah, so basically what they were doing is they were pinging the uh, phone uh, every time it was being used or when it was being accessed to determine the geographical location or their GPS coordinates of where they're at and were able to determine if they were at competitive restaurants and then, if they were at competitive restaurants, they would, you know, target them with specific ads or, or different things to, to try to sway them to uh, to go back to their restaurant.
2: Now, is this something that uh, was only happening in Canada? I mean, do American chains have access to this technology? And and if so, why haven't they used it yet?
6: Yeah, actually, multiple companies are, are doing this now. Um, it's not really uh, something that uh, either Apple or Google. Uh, you know, are, are, are want to allow, but they're doing nothing to stop it. I mean, if you're driving down the road, you may find yourself getting an ad for a grocery store that you're passing, or for a clothing store. If you're in a mall, you may find yourself getting a, a an ad for a place that you're going to. These geotags uh, are being used, and and so what if you've seen these commercials on TV where the different phone companies say you can protect your privacy and not let people know where you're at? That's only half true. Um, the phone ways of detecting where you are. First off, by their their mobile number, your mobile uh, account information. Uh, secondly, by the actual internet access. So if you have internet on uh, in a you know public accessible place, they'll be able to tell where you're at. And then the third one is actually the geolocation or the GPS location on your phone. The only thing you really have the ability to turn off on privacy. Uh, is going to your privacy statement uh, uh, section as in settings and, and block your GPS settings so people don't see your GPS. But these apps can still use other methods to find where you are. And in honesty, the uh, Apple's and Android devices always know where you are, no matter what. Uh, you do to turn off and on your your privacy settings,
2: and uh, on some apps, you do have the option. It'll say uh, use only use your data or, or you know, use your location information only while the app is engaged, or use it all the time. Does that make a difference one way or the other?
6: Well, in setting your privacy settings, if the companies are doing it legitimately, they will only work if you allow your GPS settings, or if you allow it while you're using the app. But many of these applications will just use uh, the the fact that you have the application on on your phone. Uh, you can even delete an application off of your phone, and the the provider that installed that app for you can still access you by because they had your your phone information. So they'll ping you every now and then just to see if your phone is still on. Have you not reinstalled the application or whatever? So they can still tell where you're at and still target you with ads or or different types of information.
2: Jerry Irvine, CIO of Prescient Solutions and member of the U.S. Secret Service Electronic Crimes Task Force based in Chicago. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Join us at this time tomorrow for Entrepreneur Friday and still to come, the Scottish Festival and Highland Games set to open in Itasca tomorrow. It's Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. After a two-year pandemic hiatus, the Scottish Festival and Highland Games return to Itasca tomorrow and Saturday. Let's learn more from Gus Noble, CEO of Chicago Scots. Gus, thanks for joining us today. I would imagine it's a great feeling to be back and in person for the first time in two years.
5: Rob, thanks. It's an incredible feeling to think that for two years worth, uh, now three years worth of partying is uh, going to happen in Itasca, uh, Illinois. We're going to have The biggest bagpiping championship in America is going to happen right here in Illinois uh, this weekend. We're going to have 33 pipe bands, 350 soloists, pipers and drummers will be making this wonderful noise. We'll have these great heavy athletes who, you know, throw the caber and those iconic Scottish sports and this year we're doing a little something different where we're, we're going to use our music stage to tell the story of what happened to Scottish music after it reached American shores and went up through the Appalachians and became bluegrass and country and when it met the blues and became rock and roll. It's going to be a, a musical adventure and we're featuring the Old Town School of Folk Music and some superb jazz musicians from DePaul University. So we we welcome everyone who is Scottish by birth, by heritage or simply by inclination to come and join us and have a wonderful time. The, The event supports the oldest charity in Illinois, Chicago Scots, and our principal charity, Caledonia Senior Living. So there'll be a spring in your step, a smile on your face and warmth in your heart knowing you had a good time for a good cause.
2: Now there there are the officially sanctioned uh, feats of feats of strength you were talking about the uh, the, the caper toss the caper toss but um, if you are an amateur and uh, you've got your shoulders uh, nice and limbered up you could uh, participate in the uh, the haggis hurl uh, that is on the schedule um, what what, uh, what what type of uh, records are we talking about if you want to break them. Well, you know we we live
5: in a time where where the news around us is serious and and you know serious issue after serious issue when we turn on our TVs and so on, so this gives an opportunity for us all to have a little bit of bre- uh, levity and irreverence in our lives, and it's impossible to to think about the serious matters in life when you're standing on top of a whiskey barrel, trying to throw a pound of haggis as far as you can. Or when the the men in the audience take the stage and a field in Itasca becomes like the fashion catwalks of Paris, and the men in kilts competition where they show off their knees, these are moments of silliness, but they are wonderful kind of breaks from from uh, the seriousness of life right now.
2: I know, you know, Gus. I have a couple of friends of mine uh, who are probably camping out in Itasca right now uh, to get a good uh, a good view of the men in kilts competition. So uh, <laughs> there is, as you know, there. There is definitely an audience for it. Gus Noble, the CEO of Chicago Scots, thanks for joining us this afternoon. The Scottish Festival and Highland Games back in northwest suburban Itasca tomorrow and Saturday, and uh, we could crown a world champion of bagpiping. Uh, be sure to bring a decibel counter, though.
6: Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone